Hello, and happy Labor Day. Welcome to Off the Roll. I'm your host, Troy Hirschman. Today we're talking to Mark Lido. Mark is the athletic trainer at Hobart High School in Hobart, Indiana. Mark has been an athletic trainer for over 30 years. First as a student at Ball State, then an internship and a season internship with the Indianapolis Colts, and finally back to Hobart High School to be the athletic trainer that he currently is now. Mark has many stories. Uh, a lot of them to do with athletic training and some of them not that are just as interesting. We look forward to, to hearing his stories. So let's go off the roll with Mark Lido. Hello, welcome to Off the Roll. Today I'm on the campus of Ball State University. Um, it is game day for the Ball State Cardinals versus Western Illinois today. And we have our, as our guest, Mark Lido. Mark is the uh, athletic trainer at Hobart High School um, and also our medical observer for tonight's football game. So we'll talk a little bit about all that stuff, but um, we're going to get started with Mark. Good to have you here, Mark. Thanks, Troy. Thanks for having me. Well, to get this going, what I like to do is, um, is I like to ask you kind of how you got started in athletic training. Um, what was your kind of your first experiences? And, um, and then we'll kind of go from there. Well, it was a, uh, a fellow Mac uh, athletic trainer. I went to OU by a guy by the name of Sam Ford. He was the uh, first teacher athletic trainer in Lake County. And uh, I happened to have him as a freshman health teacher. And then my senior year, I decided that I wanted to go the athletic training route and become a teacher. And uh, so he kindly let me into his athletic training room after football season was over. And so I started learning the ropes. Uh, winter slash spring of 1984 at, at Hobart High School. Um, so what was some of your kind of first experiences with, with Sam? I mean, you had to have obviously wet behind the ears, trying to, just trying to pick up little things here and there, but what are some of the things you remember from that? You know, he was such a, uh, you know, the, 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 the front runners, the pioneers, so to speak, they knew so much about like uh, bracing and splinting and how to use orthoplast and how to use foam and just how to make something out of nothing. You know, it wasn't they could pick up a book and, and order it. Um, and if they could, they couldn't afford it. And so uh, I learned so much about uh, that part of athletic training from him um, and how to uh, even do some rehab techniques and, you know, put E-STEM into a whirlpool, you know, totally yeah. contradict what you would think to do. Right? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, so, you know, I learned some of those techniques and uh, gosh, you know, what a fantastic person and, you know, what a great first mentor. Um, and, and I say first because there's many. And, and as we go through this, I think you always have a mentor. <coughs> um, so, so is Sam gone now or is, is he still He's no longer him? teaching. He's, yeah. He still lives in, in Knox. Okay. And, uh, but he's out of teaching and I think he's doing some substitute teaching over in that area. Yeah. Um, but, uh, he retired a couple, three years ago and I really, you know, I haven't, we've emailed a couple times, but I yeah. really haven't heard much from him since. Cool. All right. Um, did he have any Kramer role? Yes, he did have Kramer <laughs> I know. I was, just, <laughs> I was just on that. I just joined that secondary school oh, did you? Okay, okay. On, on Facebook. And uh, I laughed because somebody had posted on there that yeah. they had this plethora of Kramer roll. What the hell do you do with this? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Some of the old stuff that no one knows about, you know, like throw out some cinder suds or some oh, yeah, methylating, exactly. you know? People. Exactly. No. <laughs> yeah. I think kids would, they would, um, they would totally freak if we yeah. broke that stuff out. Like, what are you doing with it? Yeah, I'm gonna slap some uh, atomic bomb on this. And thing. then when you yeah, get a little bit of yeah warmth going, let me know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so you graduated from Hobart High School in '84. Yeah, and then that led you to here, right? Here. Yeah. So I come to Ball State and uh, I interviewed uh, with Tony and with uh, Don and um, Judy and uh, about a, who and who is Judy? Um, she was the women's athletic trainer at the time. So that was Jen Judy, um, not Mary O'Carroll. No, it was before Mary. Ju Judy Chafin. Yeah. 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 Okay. <clears throat> and Mary, I think, was here too. Um, and so, I don't know, maybe about a week, 
three weeks later, I got a letter just saying that I'd been um, accepted in the program. And uh, so then I, they got a hold of me early and actually um, I came down my freshman year and uh, started working football. <coughs> so where were you living at the time? Uh, they put us up in Elliott. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's where I was living in Elliott. And uh, that's where the football team was during uh, the two-a-days, yeah. the, the traditional two-a-days. And so I worked with Don and Tony was there and Bruce, uh, Bruce Ruder and Doug Dietzel and Joanne and Deb and Brent. And I mean, just, you know, some fantastic people. Yeah. You know, just some awesome friendships were made and, you know, it was the hard working days and you just learn to respect each other because what everybody went through it. So do you think that because you had a little bit of experience, that's why they had you come out as a freshman? Maybe. I mean, I, I was probably back in 1984 as a rarity to have a certified athletic trainer at a high school. Right. Um, and, you know, that, you know, like I said, he was the first person in, in Lake County to be that teacher athletic trainer. And he'd started in 79. So I had always been around an athletic trainer as an athlete. So yeah. I always knew what that was. So um, maybe so. Um, you know, he, he wrote me a, a, a nice letter of recommendation. And so did our head football coach, Coach Howe. And uh, so it was really, you know, maybe that, that's what they saw. I don't know. Um, yeah. so. so were there any other freshmen out there with you at that time? Not that I can remember. Yeah. Um, Who would you to come in with as a class with that group? With that group, do you have, would, would anybody else be in that be in your class that you came in that year? Mm, there was Jan Wilson. I would really have to go back and look to be yeah. honest, Troy, because that's been a few years. Oh yeah, so. I, I understand. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so there was a few that came in in that group, and um, I hung out with the older people. I don't know why. Yeah, I just I, I bonded with them out at football, and so there I was. You know, it was like they accepted me, and um, and there was no looking back. Um, so, so the first, first year you're out at football, um, because it wasn't a major at the time. What was your, your, your major was teaching, right? teaching, yeah, yeah, health education and a minor in athletic training. Right. Um, and, uh, I worked that football season, uh, up until like really basketball started. Then I got pulled with Tony uh, okay. to go to men's basketball, uh, which was really, really rare. Yeah. Um, and I, I didn't take any heat for it, but I think there were some people that weren't happy with it. Yeah. Um, but I, there was no travel or anything like that. It was just covering practice. Cover and practice. Yeah, and I couldn't tape. I couldn't do any of that stuff. Right. I just sat, you know, and, and just did all the work that needed to be done before practice started. So Tony didn't have to do it. So who was teaching your classes at that time? Oh, the, the staff. Yeah. Yeah, Mary O'Carroll and then uh, Tony taught some classes. Uh, I didn't, I would, you know, the upper level classes, I think Don was teaching, you know, vocal sang was teaching right. and all those guys, but I just had Mary and Tony at that, that first year. Yeah. Um, that's all they really did. Okay. Um, and then, so you're in the program, you're, you're got a minor, you're, you're doing the teaching Then you had the next couple of years that you were, I mean, you were obviously in the program. What were you doing the next couple of years? Uh, then, uh, I did a stint just in the training room. Uh, then I did spring football, um, and then, you know, it all kind of runs together. I started, I, I did men's track, and then my f uh, I did baseball, and then my final year, I did um, women's field hockey, and then men's volleyball. Okay. Uh, those are the two last sports that I, that I worked uh, as an undergrad here. Yeah, and men's volleyball has always been a... Um an interesting sport to work. So, any any stories that you want to those guys, those you guys, were, those, you know, those guys, were, they were fantastic. I, you know, I, I, the athletes always treated us really well. And men's volleyball, uh, we were we were invited to everything and anything that they did. Uh -huh. And uh, you know, it was really neat because we uh, uh, that team qualified for the final four, so we went out to Poly Pavilion. Oh wow! And Dantini and I, we traveled uh, yeah. out to Poly Pavilion. And uh, they put us up in a hotel and all that fun stuff. But we got to watch a movie being made, and we got to walk on Polly Pavilion's floor. And, right. Uh, Dan Dan decided on our day off that he would go to uh, Hermosa Beach, and decided he wanted to get a suntan. Well, Dan's kind of a redheaded kid and didn't really uh, put any sunscreen on. <laughs> so uh, as the night went on, I had left and went with one of the players. And we went and got some gifts from the gift shop and all that stuff from. 
uh, the bookstore. <laughs> and so we get back, and Dan <coughs> is as red as these lockers are sitting next to us, and uh, we're we're afraid. So we put him in the in the bathtub to try to cool him off, and we find aloe somewhere. I don't know where we found the aloe, uh, but uh, we lathered Dan up, and uh, <laughs> I don't know about three o'clock in the morning he had to go to the bathroom, and you could pretty much hear him sticking to the sheets because there was so much <laughs> aloe on his body. Now the interesting thing is we get to the airport, and as we take off, uh, all that aloe, Dan starts to blister. Oh my gosh! So. We land in Indy, and those blisters popped. His t-shirt's just soaked. So, it looks like he had been in, in the, you know, in the shower. <laughs> and so he's hurting. I mean, he is hurting. He is a mess. Well, then back then, Ball State's finest pick us up, and it's a uh, an old school bus. Oh yeah, remember yeah, those old yeah, school yeah. buses? They yeah, still have a few of those around. Yeah, there. well, they, they, yeah, and uh, so there's no air, and we get on that thing, and that poor guy is just miserable. So then he gets uh, in the. Uh, we, we get back to Muncie, and now he's got to drive back to Aurora because he's got to fly out the next day because his sister's graduating from college. I think she was in Texas. So still sunburned. He's driving a Chevette with no air and gets down to Cincinnati, and the next day he's got to leave to go to Texas to, do, um, to, to watch his sister graduate. And peak temperature there was like 110. So the poor guy just got worked like there was no tomorrow. (laughs) I love that story about Dan. I felt so bad for him. And, you know, he gets the chills. And we're trying to get him to drink. And we didn't want to have to take him to the hospital or anything like that. So, yeah, we put him in a tub. And everything. At at the incident. So this is after you guys had played. Yeah, this is after we lost. Uh, I think we ended up winning. I think the kids ended up getting third. And then uh, we had an extra day to ourselves. Uh, before we flew out so it was pretty funny uh you know uh, on the way out uh coach Shondell uh was sitting next to Olivia Newton John and didn't realize really who she was and everyone's asking for her autograph and she apologizes to him and he's like well I was gonna apologize to you because I'm kind of famous Typical dad. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm the father of modern volleyball. You yeah. don't know who the hell I am. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, it was pretty funny, and yeah, that was that was pretty that was different. Yeah. So it was a neat experience. It was a great experience. So t- t- tell me about you know the thing about what do you think? So so you were here in '84. Don resigns in '85. Tell me about what it was like when Rex Sharp comes in. Uh Different. I mean, a, a good different. It was, you know, Don, Don was uh, very militaristic and, and, you know, kept everybody in line and in shape and made sure, you know, everything. Uh, Rex brought more of a um, openness to the program and it was just a different, a different style and not saying either one's right or wrong. Right. Uh, it was just different and um, it was fun. We enjoyed it. We had a really interesting time. Uh, Rex accommodated everybody would, you know, wanted everybody to be a part of something. And um, Rex brought a family atmosphere and, and, and Tony had it and the other staff had it. Don was just, you know, very militaristic and, you know, this is the way it's done. And, and that's fine. That's, that's, that's one way of leading. And, you know, Rex brought a different way of leading and um, both are good. Um, It was just Rex really brought a change um, that I think, you know, athletic training was looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, I mean, you know, Rex being the first really head athletic trainer and, and pretty much since, um, with Neil being here so long that was a, was an athletic trainer and not a physical therapist. And so um, that, not saying that that mentality is, is, um, bad it's it's just that that's a different that's a right different, right right different focus on things from an athlete training standpoint Correct. versus a pt standpoint right and you know pts traditionally you know are in the clinic and they're you know it's run more of a business like right. where you know where athletics is athletics since it, it, it's still you know very important it's important because you're working with division one athletes or athletes in general but it's more of a relaxed setting and you're dealing with a population that statistically wants to get healthy. Right. Where when you're working in a PT clinic, you may be, you know, sitting on a lawsuit where someone's going to 
try to sue somebody because they slipped right. on a cherry pit. And so, you know, the mentality of that patient versus the, the athlete's mentality is night and day. So, so Rex brings this family atmosphere in, in 1985. Um, I know there's stories out there about Rex's first night in town. You don't have to tell those stories. Yeah. But, but the, share with me a little bit about um, some of the more memorable times that, that you had kind of outside of that, that um, or maybe inside some road trips. Uh, obviously, there were some legendary road trips that happened. You can, again, this is a podcast, so you can, you can, you can kind of skew it however you want to skew it, okay? But there, I think the thing is, is that that the listeners that are going to be listening to this are going to want to know. I mean, let's face it, Mark. When, when I say the name Lido, <laughs> there, there, there there's people that instantly connect that to Ball State Athletic Training, whether you want to or not. Um, that's, but that's but, scary because I mean, there are some great people, and I, I I don't know if I even need to be. I'm even close to those guys. Yeah, you start talking about JD and Snow and Hoover and and you know the Rex calls and, and Jack Mansfields and Jay Brett. I mean, those guys are just unbelievable. You know, I I think I may be just a little bit more jocularity. I I always like to be like the John Coddington people, you know, yeah. and, and have fun. And you know, Rex fit that. Yeah. And we, there were pranks pulled almost every day on somebody. What what, what was what was the most memorable prank that you saw when you were here? Uh, when uh, uh, Joe Burton set up the uh, the vacuum in the football stadium to go off when Tony opened up the door, and then Tony faked a heart attack. <laughs> so Joe, being the EMT he was, wanted to take over. I just think he wanted to kiss Tony. That's all. <laughs> that, so, that very well may have been. So I mean, that was, and, and, and then there were the accidental pranks that, that, that weren't supposed to happen, and I think they did. And you know, when when crutches hit the uh, the gas pedal on the golf cart, and it almost ran into Texas office back under the old stadium, you know. And, yeah. I, and it wasn't even meant to be a prank; it just happened. It was like that yeah. couldn't have been planned any better. You know, we we had so many of those, and you know, so much fun, and. You know, from from Neil's bachelor party at the house that Dantini and I lived in to yeah. Rex's bachelor party where Dietzel was, <laughs> and you know where, where Doug stayed, and uh, you know the year that we uh, had the initiation for the freshmen that got in the yeah. program yeah. At, at the uh, townhouse, and you know Chris Robbins brings in Robinson brings in a bale of hay because we you know just, <laughs> yeah that that yeah. story goes without being told. Yeah. So uh, it, you know it, it, it's just. It, it all boils down to all of us getting together and having fun. Right. I mean, there were so many evenings that um, Rod and I, Stanford and I, we'd get a pony keg and it'd sit outside on our on our ledge and people would just come over with a with a with a video and we'd put it in and watch and right. people would drink and just hang out and right. it would be everybody and uh, that that's what you know that those are my most memorable times about this program because you know if someone needed help we all showed up. You know, someone was moving. It was unfortunate, but we all showed up to help pack. Right. You know, and and you know, I I, I think that's the neatest thing about Ball State, and it, it was always family to me. And <clears throat> when I came here, um, my parents didn't go to college, and so Rex and Tony turned into those adults that had been to college. That when you ran into rough roads, or when you ran into just you were in a funk, right. those guys got you out of it. Yeah. You know, and it was it was either, hey, let's go get a beer, you know, let's go get a, a pork tenderloin and a beer and let's go to Red and Roots or what's, yeah. you know, let's go Red to Roots, yeah, yeah. Pete's Duck Inn or, yeah. you know, let's go somewhere and let's just get away. Yeah. You know, and and that part of it is just such a, a, a memorable part to me that that's what I build on. I, I love those stories. I love, you know going to Red Roots. I love just getting in a car going when we went to the 500 for the first time, yeah. you know, and uh, sat in turn four and, you know, lady made fun of Tony because she thought he was staring at her and made a comment. And she came over to him and gave him a hard time. And it was actually me that did it. <laughs> I think the best road trip that I'll never forget is we went to Northern Illinois. It was Brad Dasher, me and Tony all staying in the same room. And I, I told the story a million times. I'm going to tell it again. So, uh, <clears throat> Brad and I stay out a little bit extra longer than what we were supposed to, and we took a few road signs from the Illinois Department of Transportation, 
<clears throat> which <laughs> ended up in our door, in our hotel room. That's, it's okay. There's, I'm sure there's a statute of limitations on all this. Yeah, so, yeah. hopefully it's over. <laughs> so uh, Brad somehow took the roll away, which is the foot of my bed. And so I'm at the bed. Tony's already been asleep for a while. We come in pretty drunk. And uh, <clears throat> Dasher falls asleep, and I fall asleep. And all of a sudden, Tony, and I'm going to do my best Tony imitation impersonation that I can. Lay down. Lay down. Wake up. You hear that shit? I'm like, well, now I do because you woke my ass up, Tony. Brad snoring like there's no tomorrow. Well, do something. What do you want me to do? Kick him. I kick him and Dasher sits up and starts throwing punches in the air wanting to fight. I'm like, there, I did. I woke him up. So Tony, I guess at some point in time, turns the air conditioning all the way down. So it never shuts off. It just runs the whole time. Tony wakes up with a head cold. Tony wakes up with a head cold uh, the next day, not doing well. It's a night game. Well, then uh, Phil Nelson comes walking in, one of the equipment managers, and sits on the edge of Tony's bed. Well, Tony's bed stands straight up. Get off my bed! And you got to cast a picture here. How large was Phil at this time? Well, uh, do research on John Candy. (laughs) Because that Phil was John Candy. We went to a wedding in Dunkirk, Indiana with uh, Rick Crunchy Hunt, who was one of the football managers, and he told everybody John Candy was going to be at his wedding. So Phil uh, and, and, you know, yeah, God love Phil, because there were nights that Phil, David, uh, Jesp, and I, we would just sit in our uh, uh, condo and, and, you know, play shots a minute until finally someone gave up and watching Monty Python's Holy Grail, you know, so... It was it was the good old days, and then you know, <coughs> Catherine Cantor would come over, or Linda Wolf, and we would Cheryl store. We'd get together, and it would just be a fun time. Yeah, yeah. There was definitely, I think, um, a cast of characters that was not just in athletic training, but but uh, but around this group. That, and I think the thing that you talked about, Rex didn't distinguish like you were equipment manager. You can't come with us and have fun. No. It was every bring everybody in. Let's yeah. let's have a good time. Yep. And um and and you know that included docs and and everybody else too. I mean. You, yeah. I mean, you, you you were all working hard hours. You're looking long, working long hours, and it's like let's let's make the best of it. Yeah. You know, we're, we all pick this career. We're all picking this. You know, choosing this as students to do this. So let's let's do this. Yeah. And 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 I think that was such. The lucrative part about being a, an athletic training student and, and coming to Ball State, you know, and, and being a high school athletic trainer, we I've I've had the opportunity to work with a lot of kids that have come here. Yeah. You know, and 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 I always sell them it's it's the family atmosphere. Right. You know, and and I always hate, you know, if it's never that for people. Right. Because I think that's the neatest thing. And you know, it was it was a family away from family. Yeah. You know. Teeny and I have done a lot of things together. You and I have done a lot of things together. Right. You guys have come up to you know baseball games and stayed at my parents' house and right. threw beer cans on their front lawn. <laughs> and, you know all the all the incredible things that we've done. Yeah. You know I remember I never really cared about the Kentucky Derby, but Rex brought that up, and we're at his old house, and you know we're out there with the Kentucky Derby, and there's some poor kid riding a bike, not watching us, not paying attention, and. He smacks right into Rex's mailbox. And Tony's like, you see that shit? <laughs> poor kid's on the ground. Ten athletic trainers and students are just standing around watching the poor kid. Yeah. He starts cussing us out because we're laughing. We're not helping. Oh, yeah. We're just laughing. He was laughing, yeah. So it was, you know, just some neat, neat times. I mean, just, you know, it, it, was, it was what I needed, you know, to yeah. grow up. It was... It was the, it was the niche that fit me well, and uh, I think everybody around us just had a great time. Yeah, yeah, that's I think that is um, a definite like a you know the definite kind of description of that time period was was very much a family atmosphere, and and, um, and, and like you said, even through the tough times, you know, when there were some tough and there were tough times. Oh yeah, you know, we were both we both experienced those times. Sure, and. Um, there was always that that reassurance that hey, it's going to be okay. We're yeah. gonna we're gonna take care of you. Yeah. It's going to be okay. Yeah. Um, and some people may not have felt that way, but but I don't think I ever did, and and I don't think you did, and no. and um, 
it was very much more about ensuring that we were we were going to be successful even through some obstacles and tough times. Sure. Um, so that because the the end game was is when you left here, you're going to have to have that resiliency to handle right. whatever you're going to have to handle. So, right. I mean, they they you know it was it was. I think a lot of it was on purpose to make you mentally tough. Yeah. Uh, to think on your feet. You know, I think that's one of the biggest things that Ball State, you know, athletic training really did. It was like, you got to think on your feet. And if something needs to be done, it's usually athletic trainers that do it and the yeah. equipment guys. And so we do that, you know, and that's what we do. And uh, I, I think, you know, that was a mentality that, that Don had and Rex had it. It was just a different way of having it. And it worked for people, you know, and that and that's – uh, the neat thing, and so many good people have come out of it. You know, you and even you know the the GAs that weren't necessarily Ball State kids. Right. You know, they came here, and it was almost instant that they felt this relationship with everybody. Yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit too. I mean, so so you graduated from Ball State um, when ninety nineteen ninety. Okay, um, and then your first job is. With uh, Central Indiana Sports Medicine with Dr. Matchett's group. Yeah. And, uh, and, and you were going out to Yorktown High School too, correct? Uh, that was in 89-90 I did. I filtered yeah. out to Yorktown. Um, I, I did the internship with the Colts in 89. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, um, so let's that. let's talk about that because you were, you were doing an internship with one of the most um, infamous times with the Indianapolis Colts. <laughs> it was it was different and you know it was it was long hours 6 a.m to 10 11 o'clock at night you yeah. know and we were making 100 bucks a week you know as 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 interns and uh i remember this i remember you know um uh so in 88 89 uh i was a student uh college student athletic trainer on the iata Right. Yes. And um, got on that board, and so I go to my first meeting, and Hunter Smith is sitting across from me, who was the head athletic trainer for the Colts at the time. And he's like, "Hey, Mark, you you want to work in the NFL?" I go, "Sure." <laughs> you know? Yeah. Okay. Again, the things that happen because you're in the room. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. You know, and that and and, and that, that's the thing with Paul State. It's the marketing part of it. It's the men. It's the. Uh, all of the knowledge and the people that know about Ball State. And yeah. I'll get to another story here about that. But um, so I show up and he's like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, sure. So um, January comes around, he goes, hey, I need you to apply. So I applied about 10 of them like everybody would do back then. Right. right? Anyone kind of local. And um, they bring me down February. I, 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 you know, I tape and, you know, to show them how I can set up machinery and all that. And I end up getting a gig with them. And uh, they call me like in April or May, somewhere in there and said, hey, we're gonna take you. You're one of our interns. So I fell paperwork and all that. Well, we're going to the NCAA tournament and I get a phone call, you know, pick up the red phone. It was kind of one yeah. of those jokes from airplane. But um, so I pick it up and I had also applied with the Bears and they offered me. Oh, wow, okay. And uh, so I'm in this, you know, this ethical dilemma. I grew so, up so in a bear Fred, Fred, Fred Cato was Fred the Cato yeah, was head trainer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so, you know, I'm in this ethical battle. And so, yeah. you know, I call Rex like everybody does. You know, what do I do? And he's like, well, you're an Indiana guy, you know, type thing. And this would really be great for our program. And right. So I'm like, all right. So I made a decision and, and I go with the Colts. And so I'm getting ready to go. And Rex like, hey, man, you can't screw this up. <laughs> he goes, don't, 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 you know, don't be stupid. Don't do anything dumb. This is, you know, this is great for our program, right? Yeah. So I get down there, 10 North American vans show up. They unload. We do all this stuff. One of the veterans shows up. Because where was training camp? At, at Anderson. In Anderson. We were in yeah. Anderson. So uh, veterans show up and a player by the name of Dwayne Bickett walks in. Big guy, just a, you know, massive man. USC graduate. He was their number one pick that year. Yeah, not that year. Before, but the yeah, that was Andre Ryzen was their number one pick. Okay. So, um, Bickett shows up, and he just grabs me by the arm, and he goes, hook me up. And he takes his shoe off, and he, he uh, sets on a table and points to the East End machine. So, I'm, like, looking around, like, what am I going to do? So, I hook him up. So, you know, I hook him up and got the old four pads on him. And I said, all right, you know, let me know when you start to feel it. He's like, I'm in the NFL. You just turn it up to I tell you to stop. I'm like, oh, great. This is going to go good. So I'm not really paying attention. I got tunnel vision. I'm turning this <laughs> E-stem up. 
And I go, is it's getting high? And I'm like, are you sure you're all right? I'm fine. I said, just keep going. So I keep pressing. In the meantime, there's like 50 people around me now, and I I can't feel it. I'm yeah. Just, all of a sudden, he starts flopping on the table like a fish out of water, screaming, "Turn it off! Turn it off! I'm dying! I'm dying!" I'm like, "Oh my god! I'm fired day one. Rex is gonna kill me." Now here's my keys. Here's my T-shirt. It's been nice athletic training. Have a good life, right? And then all of a sudden he sits up, he goes, gotcha, rookie. I'm like, oh, my God. That was just like the worst pimp job I've ever had in yeah. my life. It was like, okay, you got me. You did. Yeah. I, I my, my Everything. It was, I was done. Put a fork in me. So uh, that was, that was neat. You know, it was, that was really pretty cool. And uh, when, when they messed with you, you, you knew they wanted you to be a part of it. So uh, it ended up being, you know, three years with them as an intern and a six-month intern, which was great. And I think, you know, as, after I got done, there was a lot of Ball State people that got to do that right. same thing, had yeah. that great experience. Yeah. I mean, just because, like, when you were the six-month intern, Michael was there. Yeah. Now, that's the year that I was in Philadelphia. Yep. We had that great photo together and yep. stuff. Yeah. Um, so who were the interns there with you when you were there that year? Uh, there was a bunch. There was, uh, Tro- uh, there was Purdue guys, uh, Troy Maurer. He's, I think, still the assistant at Miami. Yeah. Um, a couple others. Um, some have passed. And yeah. Some have passed away, and yeah. uh, I haven't kept much touch with them. Uh, Al Schufert was there. Al moved around in uh, uh, pro football and yeah. did some NASCAR stuff with Joe Gibbs Racing. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Good I think guy. I heard that. Yeah, 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 good guy. Real good guy. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, Michael followed me. Uh, he was one of the just the uh, seasonal guys, and then he ended up getting a six-month job after I did. Right. So, I mean, what a what a great, you know, feather in the cap of Ball State. Yeah. And, and back to another Ball State story, and, and people, you know, when you say you went to Ball State, it was kind of funny. I had uh, a, uh, one of my former students who ended up coming to Ball State, uh, Jessica Turka, she ended up winning the Kramer Scholarship. Right. And to apply for the Kramer Scholarship was everything was blinded. So, um where I worked, where I went to college, all that stuff was was left off everything. And same with Jess. And so I get a phone call from Kramer and saying, hey, um, you know, your student, Jessica, has won the Jack Kramer. And I'm like, what? And so I'm talking to the guy. And so he's like, he's like, now I know it's late and, you know, she's probably not going to be able to fly out and make it. But, you know, are you going to the NAT? I said, yeah, I'm going. He goes, well, you know, we'll give you the award and all that. And I'm like, all right. He's like, well, tell me a little bit about you because I know nothing. Yeah. And I said, well, I'm up here at Hobart High School, Northwest Indiana, and I'm a Ball State graduate. And he stops. He goes, you're part of the Ball State Mafia. And I went, what? <laughs> and he goes, you guys are everywhere. You guys, it's yeah. all about you guys and athletic yeah. training. He goes, it's just like, you know, you know this person, you know that person. It's just yeah. so much networking. And when you said Ball State Athletic Training, it was just such, you know, it brought so much pride to you because people would say, you know, here's Kramer saying Ball State Mafia. And I'm like, yeah. what? You know, and so, I mean, it really warmed your heart because you were part of that program. And uh, gosh, you know, uh, Jessica got one of the biggest awards, you know, that Kramer offers. <coughs> and uh, it was just, you know, a neat experience. One of those that you just never yeah. forget. Yeah, no, and, and I think that... Um you know, it's interesting when it's, it really is the, the, the forefathers that set the, that set the ground. Oh, for that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, oh. I mean, the stories that, that I've heard from Glenn about Bud and then, yeah. and then Hoove, I mean, the thing about it was, was Hoove, you know, Dick Hoover in all those years of trying to, or opening up all these clinics across the country. I mean that's how he spread the spread the gospel of Ball State yeah. training yeah. was doing yeah. all that. Yeah. And then and then that created connections and stuff and then people getting hired and and landing in places and, and right. um it, it is. And that's you've heard me say this. I mean I, Ball State Athletic Training is everywhere. You cannot yeah. go I don't think you can go anywhere in the United States and not talk to another athlete trainer and say, I'm from Ball State. Right. And they'll right. go, I know so and so. Yeah, yeah. Or, exactly. Did you know yes. I met so yep. and so here. I yep. met so and so there. Yeah. Um, and you know, and and maybe it might make some people mad if they listen to this podcast, but I don't think there's a whole lot of the West Virginia people like to say yeah. West Virginia and the Indiana right. State people like to say sure. Indiana State. But I would think it'd be hard pressed to find another group that and, and again I think it is that family right. kind of atmosphere that right. that um 
that was you know started a long time ago with JD and Cindy right. and those guys, right? And then carried on by Rex, and then carried on definitely by Neil. Yes. Um, that that really kind of has perpetuated all this. Yes. With that. Yeah, so. and and yeah, and uh, you know, and then there's so many other players in that. You know, I mean, there are a lot of those those founding people, and then just the off branches of people that have right. gone out and done things. And I mean, I, I'm not. You know, you, like you said, you can count on those founding people, but gosh, then the people that went out and just talked about athletic training right, and yeah. state athletic training, yeah, like wow, you know, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it it, it is. It's re- it's extremely cool, and and um, one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast is that that these stories get told because uh, it's important for these this next generation of these entry level master students to hear these stories, yeah, and and maybe understand a little bit about why. Um, why it is so important. Well, and and when they get out there and someone gets excited because they're talking to somebody that went through Ball State's program, they now can put, you know, a little bit more, they have a little bit more background. Yeah. Um, And and the background was taught when we were hanging out at the the Try Guy house or, you know, where Sean and I lived or, you know, those were, those were the times we got to really know each other. Yeah. It's only, it's, if 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 we um we we weren't both working we'd be doing this podcast from the chug oh one hundred percent yeah one hundred percent chug the chug on penny beer night yeah chug penny beer night Jody Wood would be here yeah trying to win contests and <laughs> Jessup would be the guy spraying the bottle so yeah I mean and and you know and we all we'd always try to help each other in you know we would make fun of each other like there's no tomorrow right but in the in the turn though it would be like hey you know if you needed a hand we were there. And I, I think that's the fun part of it, that we just had so much fun with each other. And, and there was no rules. You know, you can make fun of anything. Anything was wide open. Yeah. And nowadays, it, it, you know, unfortunately, you know, that's kind of gone by the wayside. Right. And I don't, and what you did, though, was we developed thick skin. Right. So and that when you had a coach chewing your ass, you're like, I had people calling me worse than this. I don't right. really care. Yeah. You know, and you, you know, you're a non-entity to me. So as Rex would always have on the door, yeah. you know, non-entity and that, and that's, you know, you put it in perspective, you know, our job is to take care of athletes yeah. and it, it, it's not to win a game. It's not to lose a game. It's to make sure that, you know, that person, um, as an athlete, when it's all said and done, they can still do what they want to do. Yeah. No. And, and that, I think that was, that was always the end game. That was always, that was the message that was always preached, and yeah. and we all um, did our very best to try to emulate that as much as possible. Sure. You know, um, you know, I, I, I've I've stayed here till two or three o'clock in the morning treating athletes. I think yeah. you probably stayed up all night treating sure. athletes, sure. just to get them ready to go because that was it. We're right. going to take care of the student athlete. Right. If we can get them back out there wherever they're going to the court, the field, whatever. That's exactly are. right. We that was what was emulated with that, and, and um, there wasn't any textbooks or research studies or journal articles that ever talked about those things. No. However, they were just as important as those things were. It, it, it's, it's, it's picking up the bottle of Jack and sitting there, how do you handle this? Yeah. You know, and, and, and sure, there's, there's, there's purpose for research-based, I agree. Um, but gosh dang, you know, and, and I've gotten into a big argument, not argument, but just a discussion. You know, what's the validity of taping an ankle? The validity may not be there after five minutes, but the three minutes that that athlete sat with you and had a discussion, you now understand more about them. Right. Which, when it comes to mental health, yeah, we've opened a door. Yeah. And and that's and, and you can tell me research based that, that that taping an ankle doesn't mean anything. That's great. But that time that that athlete sat with me, yeah. you know how much more I learned, and that's our job. That, that, that's what it comes down to. Yeah. It's it's one of the very few healthcare professions in my book that um, that you almost have an unlimited amount of time with your patient population. Right. You know, um, you spend so many hours and, and holidays and, and yeah. whatnot with them, yeah. um, you know, that, that you are probably, I hate to say this because Angie brought this up when we we're trying to do her first part, she goes, I'm now treating kids of the kids I treated when I first started this job. Yeah. Yeah. 
and, that's but, it. and, there. and you yeah. know them. I mean, yeah. that's the thing that you know those kids coming up. Hey, I knew your mom and dad, and he was as much as much full of crap as you are. Right that's now. right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> and then, you know, being in the same town for that long. You yeah. Know, it's like 30th year at Hobart. So, I mean, that, that's, you know, the crazy thing that, you know, you you come across. And our coaching staff were players for us. Yeah. You know, so I know I knew them as players. You know, and and like I tell them, I, I, I treat our kids today no different than I treated you back then. And uh, the bottom line is that I want our sports to win just as much as anything. But I also want our kids to understand that their health is first. Yeah. So it's fun. Awesome. All right. Well, let's um let's talk about that a little bit. So you you were here. Uh, we talked about the internship with the Colts. Um, the the one. <laughs> The one thing I will, you have to tell this story. Um, so you're, you're one year with uh, Sean Comer as your roommate. <laughs> this guy, this guy, Sean's the associate athletic trainer here at Ball State with football, but it was Mark's roommate his first year in grad school. And, and uh, so talk to me a little bit about that introduction. Uh, oh, I, I mean, I, it just seemed like I needed a place to stay. I got this full-time job with, you know, with central Indiana. And so I needed a place to stay. He needed a place to stay. We found this uh, this guy in South Part of Muncie took a garage, made it into an apartment and two bedroom apartment. Yeah. So Sean and I jumped on it, and uh, uh, we lived happily ever ever, you know, uh, together for that. And it was fun. It was a great time. And you know, yeah, Central Michigan guy coming down, so right. I was always kind of leery of him and, and the other chip <laughs> was. But uh, you know, it was a great time, Sean. Sean had some great friends and sent him a lot of uh, a lot of video material and uh, that was uh, previewed often and uh, and it was it was a lot of fun and uh, I was working at, uh, a little bit of Yorktown still but then I kind of transferred over to Westdale because yeah. uh, they had the uh, contract with them and met some great people and uh, Dr. Jones yeah. was when I met him when he was transitioning. Yeah. Uh, and so that was an unbelievable time and uh, getting to reconnect with him this year at the at the Sweet 16 that yeah. you guys let me uh, come and help. Uh, that was fantastic. Yeah. Come full circle. Yeah. And that's, I think that, you know, I think your first job is always an interesting um, experience because you're really enthusiastic about what you sure. want to do and stuff. And you're almost a little bit more idealistic about, oh, I'm going to do it this way or I'm going to act this way. Right, right. And then when you get there, you are, um, you're kind of thrown into the reality of the situation. Oh, so, yeah. and, and you had some, you know, your first job at CIO, you, you were working with you know, Jay Matchett and, and um, Keith Miller and Alan Hobansky and stuff, but you had Barb Zebart as one of your nurses. And I know Barb from- She's ordering. <laughs> she was ordering. And she wasn't gonna, she, 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 she wasn't gonna take my crap, that's yeah, for sure. And, uh, <laughs> And so we had a great time. We dealt yeah. it out to each other. We had a, a fantastic working relationship, even yeah. though I was just there for a year. The, the amazing thing about that job is I got to, uh, I got a lot of, lot of learning. Oh yeah. Um, got to Dr. Herbansky sat with me, and uh, I'll never forget it. And and I still I still tell kids today um, that if you listen to that athlete, patient, client, whatever you want to call them. If you listen to them, they'll tell you what's wrong. And if you just sit there for a second yeah. and really take it in, don't write anything down, just listen. And, you know, I was doing this and this happened and that happened. And you're like, I know exactly what it is. And I never learned, I mean, for all the books that you study and for all the time that you're here, for him just to say, sit there and, and listen. You're like, wow, they will tell you what's wrong. Right. You know, yeah. they will, they'll, they'll tell you exactly what's wrong. Uh, they don't know it because they don't have medical background, but if you listen well enough, they'll tell you what the problem is, and you may not have to run one test. Yeah. And uh, so he worked with me on that, and uh, he also, all those doctors there worked with me on learning how to read x-rays, Yeah. Um, which was, you know, a neat uh, feature that we, as students, you get to see them, but gosh, to be there every day and to look at right. x-rays, you know, that was that was a neat thing to pick those up and... Uh, those relationships got to got to work in the operating room a lot. Yeah. Um, when Ball State made it a major, they had a 196 class, I think it was, and I told Mike Farrar, I'm like, hey, Mike, I want the major, and I'm here. I'm, yeah. I'm two classes shy. I need a Psych 100 class, and I need this 196 class. 
And uh, I worked out a deal with Dr. Matchett. Every Friday, I'd watch surgery with him in the morning. Oh, yeah. Instead of having to take the class. Yeah. But it counted as the class. And I'd write up an abstract about all the operations that we that, that he did. And I, I got to see some neat things and uh, in the operating room every Friday. Yeah. You know, not many students got to say that back in the day. Yeah. No, and, and that's right when the arthroscopic surgery yes. was kind of getting... Oh my God, it was taken yeah. off, you know, yeah. and, you know, the amazing thing I, I remember, you know, well, this isn't going to be a long surgery. Well, what do you want to listen to? Well, let's listen to Inagata Navita. I'm like, <laughs> what operating room am I in right now? <laughs> Wait for Jerry Garcia to walk in playing with the dead. And I'm like, yeah. this is an operating room. You know, this is sacred. It's like, yeah, we're going to listen to music. It's not a big deal. Like this. It's no, their, no. their office. Yeah, it's yeah. right. I mean, it's like, yeah. it's like us in the, tra- in the athletic training room. It's like, we're just going to tape some ankles. Ah, we're just going to cut somebody open. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Here yeah. we are. Here we are. Yeah. Um, so from from when did you get the call from from Hobart? I mean, when did you find out about that? So uh, after the Colts had, was over, the night that six-month position ended, um, I, went, I was going to go home. And the deal was I was going to look for a GA. And I kind of talked to Michigan a little bit. And I... They'd offered me the year before, and I took the internship with the Colts, uh, which was great because Colts went one and sixteen. Michigan yeah. went to Rose Bowl, so yeah, way to go, Mark! Right, and uh, <laughs> uh, so I go home, and um, my dad's a self-employed barber in town, and so he knew everybody. And uh, the hospital in Hobart was going to open up a sports medicine clinic, and uh, he's like, "Hey, why don't you throw your name in the hat?" I'm like. All right. I was just going to go home. I was a substitute teach until, right. you know, summer and to go do a GA. And um, so I interview and uh, next thing you know, I, I was offered the job. Yeah. And um, then the athletic trainer at Hobart, then Sam, my, my original mentor, was like, you know, hey, you know, we, I want to back down. Right. You know, I've been here for a long time. Let's, I'm going to start cooling off. And I'm like, all right. So the hospital, we, we made it. We made a, a deal, and uh, so I worked for St. Mary's, and uh, I worked for a PT uh, athletic trainer named Dave Franklin, who uh, understood he was an athletic trainer first, and uh, we're in his clinic. And uh, in the morning, I carried a patient load, yeah. and then in the afternoon, I filtered out to Holbert and worked football. And uh, once football season was over, then I would work full time in the clinic, all the time maintaining a full patient load, which was unheard of. Yeah. Um, but man, the things I learned about physical therapy, yeah. uh, it, you know, it was just one of those, you know, it, it was the cherry on top. It was, you, uh-huh. you got more experience, yeah. you know, to practice your craft. And uh, it wasn't just athletes. Then it kind of, you know, migrated into general population that was athletic. Yeah. Uh, but maybe they were hurt at a construction uh, facility. I worked with many uh, police officers and firemen. Right. Um, which was really neat. And uh, the, the time at the spectrum was great. Um, but I was always at Hobart. I always felt I was that outsider looking in. Right. We had a contract and yeah, everything was good and blah, blah, blah. But I was never that teacher in the building. And right. I think, you know, that's really what I always wanted. And when my dad, I was getting ready. It took me a little bit longer to get out of here, but it was a double major, and I could have got out sooner if I just would have dumped the, the teaching part of it right. and got my just the exercise science and gone on. But I think my dad's last gift was to make sure I had my teaching license because then in '98 uh, I ended up getting a call to, to yeah. be a teacher. Um, but gosh, you know, <clears throat> as much as I like working with athletes, and you know, in Indianapolis, got to work with a guy in the Hall of Fame, Eric Dickerson. Um, the neat thing when I went home, uh, I worked on uh, uh, a veteran who who stormed the beaches at Normandy. Yeah, uh, was in uh, the Battle of the Bulge. Um, I worked on a guy who was in the uh, Bataan Death March. Um, I worked on a lady who was a uh, chemist that worked on the Manhattan Project in Chicago. Oh my goodness! I mean, and yeah. so the exposure. I got to work with a Secret Service agent. I got to. I mean, so and, and just in little Northwest Indiana, right. the 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 amount of people that did so many things, not just locally, but for the for the country. Right. Yeah. I mean, and you know, uh, I I thought those were some really great years because you got to work with some really oh, yeah. people and the firemen and the and the police department and. 
ended up doing some stuff with the fire department, which was really neat too. Yeah. So some enhancement kind of, stuff. Yeah, kind of the precursor to the tactical stuff that's been out there. It really was, you know, and you know, Dave, uh, the way Dave Franklin looked at it is like, hey, we're just gonna treat everyone as an athlete. Yeah. And so when a fireman got hurt at the end, I'll never forget, um, he's like, man, he goes, I know I'm coming off this ankle injury, and but can I fight a fire? And our facility, we had work conditioning and work hardening. And I said, bring your bunker gear. Yeah. He's like, what? I go, bring your bunker gear. So the next day he brings his bunker gear and we put it on and we go an hour on uh, a Stairmaster, the old school Stairmaster on a treadmill, uh, push pulling a cart uh, with weight in it and simulating pulling a fire hose. And after that hour, he looked at me, he goes, I'm good. Yeah. You know, so it was, it was neat. It was like, yeah. it was like you took that, at, that, that fireman made him an athlete to a point though, when he looked at me and said, I could fight a fire right. I knew we did our job. Yeah. You know, as a clinic, we got this guy where he needed to be. Yeah. And as important as any athlete you probably have ever worked on. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, cause you know, you know, those guys, you know, the, the policemen, I worked on a couple of canine officers, you know, and their biggest concern was, you know, that dog pulling them. Yeah. And so what did we do? We, we got the dog and we brought the dog to the facility and all right, yeah. go on a track. And so here he is trying to fight the dog and, and, and hold the dog back while they work the track. And, you know, when we were done, they're like, okay, I can do this. I can do this for an hour. I can do this for two hours. Yeah. And, 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 you know, that was neat. And I didn't know that that was, you know, I didn't know, <laughs> you know how did I know it was going to, it was going <coughs> to morph into, into this. Yeah. It's, it's turned into a whole business. It is. Yeah. It, it really is. And, you know, you know, kudos to athletic training for allowing people to do that. Right. And yeah. think outside the box a little bit with, you know, these people are athletes. These construction workers are athletes. These iron right. workers are athletes. Yeah. Um, and we're going to treat them as such. And, and athletic training is so inclined to that That anyway. I mean, it's just, right. it's, it's, it's all about um, seeing what somebody does and then trying to gear whatever um, rehab or treatment that falls in line with whatever that skill or task is. And, and that's the exposure working variety of sports. Yeah. You know, that, that, that was the whole thing. You know, you, early on, you asked me all the sports I got to work and these were all the, and so you just take that mentality and put it with a construction worker or a policeman or a fireman or a tactical spot person and, and you're going to find a way uh, to rehab them right. that's going to make it worthwhile to them because they're a high level person and you got to buy them in and you just treat them like an athlete and they're going to, they're going to eat out of your hand. Um, so you said you started teaching at Hobart in 98, you were yeah. working out of the clinic up until that, that yeah. point in time. Um, so, so that's been like what, 22, 23 years. Well, I started teaching. Yeah. So 98 there and I started athletic training in, in, in 92. Yeah. So, um, yeah. You're going almost on 30 years here. 30 years of athletic training there. Yeah. And, uh, teaching 20. Forest 22. What have you seen, you think, um, in that time that has been kind of the, the biggest shift or the biggest changes that you've seen at that level? Uh, I think um, there's a lot. I, I mean, right. what, what does, yeah, what, what, it, what, what high school athletic trainers started off as is where they are now is unbelievable. And I think, you know, all the good that's come of it. You know, um, from the concussion management to the heat management, uh, yeah. to the mental health aspect, to the respect that the coaches now have uh, for athletic trainers. Um, and even even when I first started, you know, I worked for a guy that's in the Indiana Football Hall of Fame that one time had the most wins in, in Indiana. And I remember, uh, and this was in 93-ish, 94-ish, a concussed kid, that, and we played Mondays. Kid got lit up pretty good. Tuesday, still had the headache. And so I held him out, which everyone thought that was crazy. Well, it just, you know, no, it's normal. And I'm like, no, something's up. Wednesday, <coughs> I don't let him practice, and coach yeah. goes nuts. And, uh, you know, starts kind of yelling at me. And I always called him Coach Howell because he was my football coach. And I looked at him and said, Don, I've got this. Leave yeah. me alone. And he shut up. And then the next day, the kid ended up passing out, waking up out of bed. Yeah. Ended up being nothing, but still was concussed. Yeah. And after the game on Friday night, he's like, Mark, he goes, uh, you saved my ass. And I go, no, we saved each other's ass. Yeah. 
And, and so from there on, I knew that I was doing the right thing. Yeah. And um, even though concussion management wasn't a thing then, it was like, there's more to this. Yeah. Didn't have the research. Um, but now we do. And, you know, uh, I, so much has changed. And I mean, a lot of it for the good. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a lot to protect the player, to protect the athlete. And in the long run, to try to protect the coach and the school. I mean, I think that's our job. And, uh, I, I, you know, I like some of the changes. I, I, I'm very afraid of where we're going as a profession. And I, I don't want to get on that soapbox, but I just think that, you know, we're, we're, we're losing quality people to other things. Yeah. And I think that, you know, to have the stories that you and I talk about and all the other cast members that you've had on, I don't know if those people get those experiences. Yeah. And so for, therefore, I don't think they have the buy-in to athletic <coughs> training like we did. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's, that's missing a little bit. Yeah. And I, and I'm not sure if we can get that back. It's, it's, uh, it's definitely, um, different in the aspect of, um, the priority of, of, in my opinion, my, the priority of clinical experience, um, and, and the, and the, the emphasis of teaching all these advanced skills that seems to be like the thing that they're trying to sell sure. instead of back in the day, it was like, you're going to get this much exposure, yep. this much interaction with this clinical instructor that's had this many years of experience. Well, and, and it's not, that doesn't seem to be the priority. And, I, and I'm not knocking what they're teaching. It's just and and I'm not sure the level that everyone's going to go to when they get out of a master's program. But um, I've been in this gig at the high school over 30 years. I've seen one IV dropped. Now, what would be my skill level if I've only done it once? <coughs> yeah. And, and, and suturing, that's great. That's a great thing to learn. But most of the sutures that I've ever seen put in are in the face and they've had to have cosmetic surgery. So what, what am I doing? Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, letting us order x-rays is a better idea. I think those are some things that open yeah. us up to more opportunities uh, yeah. to practice our craft. Um, and I think that uh, um, there's some neat techniques out there. I'm not, you know, as two athletic trainers for 400 athletes, I don't have time to dry needle. I don't, I don't have time yeah. to do a lot of that bonus stuff. Right. Um, because we're limited. And, and that's great that it's being taught. It's great that it's out there. But what, what's our primary focus? Right. Yeah. And I think like a, and, and to, to not disparage what is the advancements that have been made, I, I still feel like a lot of when, when at the college level, when the college athletic trainers started having to get out of teaching because there was more demands being placed upon them by athletics, um, that, that took away something from that interaction. That's the one thing that, that you know, in the past podcast, cast that Glenn talked about was, you know, you know, Ron and JD were teaching classes and, and, and Bud was, you know, Bud was teaching classes, sure, but, sure. but they were teaching classes, but they were also in the athletic training room that afternoon. And so they, that's, he goes, you know, you learned, you learned, when had people teaching you that you were also working next to or spending time with that were applying what they were teaching in class. Well, and, and, and for those of us that are tactile learners, um, it, it was, it's fantastic profession because in the morning we would learn, the afternoon we'd go apply. Yeah. And so um, that, that's something that can't be taken away. And, and that, that's the part that I think is being lost. Yeah. And um, I think it's great they get <coughs> some other exposure to other venues, but statistically, where are we going to end up? And, um, and we always knew back in the day that if you wanted to be a college athletic trainer, you had to go get your master's. That was understood. And, and, and because I didn't want to get my master's and I loved the high school at right. level, I, I, that was really never something that I envisioned myself having to do. Yeah. I, I just like working at the high school level. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. No matter what level you pick, there's nothing wrong with it. They all have pros and cons. Yeah. Right, the, the grass isn't always greener, yeah. and and uh, you know I I hear what goes on in the athlete in college athletics, and 
you know, some of it's a grind and some of it's not right. And um, the bottom line is, is that I, I always thought athletic trainers, uh, their primary purpose was to protect a corporation or a college or right. a professional team. And when that gets put off to the side, then our, our job becomes very murky. Yeah. It, and it does. I mean, and, and even now with, with COVID, it, it's, um, we have protocols, but, but a lot of those protocols sometimes are subject to judgment calls by people that are not medical people. Right. And, um, and because it is money nowadays. I mean, that's, I can, I can attest to the fact that there are many business decisions made that healthcare is kind of pushed to the side. Sure. And um, it's a business decision rather than a healthcare decision. And, and that's what's unfortunate. I, and I think, you know, I, I think you're going to, you're going to see that a little bit as this, this, and everybody's talking about the, the NIL stuff, but that's already affecting the high school kids a little yep. bit, you know, oh, yeah. Um, I mean, we saw that saw a story about the kid from Texas that Texas. Yeah. Yeah, said, "I'm gonna forego my senior year so I can go to Ohio State and yeah. make five million yeah. dollars." Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I think that, um, th- and that's the unfortunate part. It is a money thing, um, but I think as as time moves on, you know, how are we gonna protect ourselves? You know, and I know we can document the crap out of stuff. But um, we need the backing of other people that make some decisions because, you know, you're not going to keep good people in positions. They're going to leave because right. they're, they're not treated right or they, they can't look themselves in the mirror. Well, the, the, and, and that's the only one you have to satisfy. Yeah, the exodus is already starting to happen at the college level. I well, mean, and, I, and you can be able, people have said COVID, people have said whatever, but it's, it's, it's these college athletic trainers that are like, Listen, I'm only making X amount of dollars, and you've made me do more, more, and more stuff, and then you treat me like crap on top of that. Right. And I can go work in a clinic. I can go work in a high school, and probably make more money than what I'm slugging it out here with. Well, and I, you know what's neat? As much as I think that the profession tried to get rid of the teacher athletic trainer, yeah. they've now opened it back up. Yeah. Indirectly, and I and I tell people, why not? If you want to be an athletic trainer, go get your undergrad in health education. Yeah. And it'll mirror any program that will qualify you to get in. I said, and if you're at a small university, go talk to the athletic training staff. They'll, they'll let you be a student aide. Yeah. They'll let you sling water and be on the sidelines. They'll, right. they'll, they'll, oh, yeah. they'll cherish the extra set of hands. Yeah, because they don't have that help. Because <clears throat> they don't have that help anymore. So go do that and, and then go get your master's. But now you have your teaching license and you, and then you can make yourself more marketable. Right. And that's what I've always thought when I, because I did come to Ball State to get my master's uh, in administration and supervision so I could be a principal. So that just made me more marketable. Yeah. And I think if, if young kids coming out, they get their teaching license. I'm not saying teaching is a great profession either right now, yeah. uh, but it opens up another door where you're not uh, stuck to a clinic and maybe doing some things that you don't want to have to do, right. like patient direct or saying you have to use our doctors. Right. And if you don't, then my job is in trouble. That's that's tough. Yeah, it's a tough sell. It is. It is, and that's that's why it, it is. It, I hate to say, you're right. I mean, it is a scary time in our profession as as those opportunities open up, but those conditions are stacked to them. Well, listen, we, we've been talking for about an hour, and um, it's been a great conversation. And um, I think that uh, we could probably have a couple more conversations. I know that, that I want to have a conversation with you and a couple of your buddies. If we could get Teeny on here, I'm sure, I'm sure there would <laughs> no, be all no. sorts <laughs> no, no. No, 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 no. That, well, that one, yeah, that would not be good. Oh, wow. Well, <laughs> I'm sure that there would be nothing incriminating about any of those no, stories nothing. whatsoever. No. But, but I think that, that – um, that you know, there's you're going to think about five more things to talk about when we're done. Oh yeah, and so oh, yeah. we we can have you back on, or we'll have you back on awesome. with, with Jessup. I need to get Dave on here, yeah, and uh, and we can have a lot of fun with that. And and um, I think that's you know that's the idea of this is that we're recording this, we're getting this um, these stories and these these uh, experiences down um, and saved, and yeah. then um, and then we we can you know they're archived. Yeah. And so we got it. So I appreciate you coming out today. I know you got to work later tonight. You know, you're going to be sitting there uh, buzzing, buzzing people for the hell of it, you know, <laughs> having some fun with them. 
or maybe making some comments on a couple of plays yeah, and see yeah. what happens. But but uh, and we didn't get any chance to talk to you about what that does. I, I, I want to get into you with a little bit about your reserve police officer stuff because I think that's kind of cool stuff too. Yeah. Um, so so we'll have to have you back on. But but I really appreciate it, Mark. Maybe we have time. Yeah, and and, and thanks for uh, for sitting down and talking. To thanks us. for uh, having me. It's uh, an honor to be able to talk to you and. And, and reminisce. Yeah, no kidding. It, it is it, honor, but fun. Dog on yeah, it. That's yeah, the oh, biggest yeah. thing. So. Yeah, great stories. All right. Well, thanks, Mark. Thanks, Troy. I want to thank Mark for coming on today. Uh, it was kind of a busy schedule for him to, to make some time. So um, really appreciate him coming on. And, and it was some great stories to hear. I'm looking forward to bringing Mark back on with a few other people so we can kind of maybe get into a little more detail about those stories. But anyway, thank you for listening to Off the Roll. Um, if you can give us a rate on whatever podcast platform that you're uh, on and kind of if there's a way to give us some feedback, we'd love to hear it. We're going to be working on some other things, a website or um, a way to leave feedback on the social media type situation with that. But you know, it's our only third, it's our third episode. So we're still trying to work out some kinks with this and, and I'm learning along the way as well. So thank you again for listening to Off the Roll and have a great day.